0: You are listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Good morning and welcome to First Congregational Church of Los Angeles, a place to be who you are, to love who you love, and to explore your faith at your own pace. Today begins Advent, the season of preparation for Christmas, as Reverend Laura opens our new series for this time through the Advent door, inviting us to enter the door of hope. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and what a beautiful way to start this season. Well, the first Sunday of Advent reminds us that this season is about waiting. It is a time that comes like clockwork each year. It is a constant, something we can count on no matter what is happening in our world. Some of us didn't even know Advent existed when we were growing up. The Christmas season started right after Thanksgiving or Halloween, depending on how old you are. Without Advent, the only thing we had to wait for was Christmas morning. Perhaps like me, even though Advent wasn't your tradition, once it was discovered, you also came to appreciate its cadence and its beauty in this timeless flow of life. The four Sundays in Advent are the foundations that guide us through this season. Each week they lead us to the doorways that will help us discover once again the importance of the pathways that lead to hope, peace, joy, and love. For many of us, a season of waiting is difficult. We were not born with the virtue of patience embedded deep into our beings. And it takes us a long time to realize the value of waiting. So, of course, my mind was quickly moving to Advent last week, just like clockwork. And of course, my week involved a lot of waiting. My computer, the network, the programs, my updates, and the little elves that live inside all of those things decided to be extremely obstinate. Thankfully, when I left church on Wednesday afternoon, everything was finally working and I was elated. I put my computer in my home office and did not touch it at all on Thanksgiving Day. I've been told that's what real people do on holidays. (laughs) I was very proud of myself, and so on Friday morning, when I began putting all my sermonizing on paper, I suddenly discovered— that my FCCLA email had been blocked. I could receive emails, but I could not respond and I could not send one dadgum email. I have never had my email blocked before, but all sorts of visions as to the why started growing in my mind. I had received a rather demanding email from an unknown source insisting I cancel the concert we were sponsoring on Wednesday evening. The writer of the email had been deeply offended by the divine being addressed as Mother Earth during a previous performance of the work. I had a really hard time not responding with, This is the most beautiful prayer I have ever heard. I didn't think that would be helpful. But it had been the last email that I opened that afternoon. We didn't cancel the concert, and on Thanksgiving Eve, Lachma, in partnership with First Church, brought Raven Cajon's voiceless mass to our sanctuary. Embarrassingly, I was quite unaware of the magnitude of this concert. The voiceless mass was commissioned By the Wisconsin Conference of the United Church of Christ and by Plymouth Church, UCC. Six months after its premiere at St. John the Evangelist in November of 2021, he won the 2020 Pulitzer Prize in Music, and he is the first Native American to receive this honor. The Voiceless Mass has been called a mesmerizing work for organ and ensemble. Perhaps equally important, it has been said the work evokes the weight of a history in a Church setting and the ways a physical space can amplify voices as well as suppress them. We have had our share of suppressing voices at First Church. Parts of our history are not pretty. Yet these days we are working to amplify the voices that have been left unheard. So on Wednesday evening as the concert began, I realized how important it was for us to host this concert on Thanksgiving Eve at a church that is a cathedral such as ours. It was an important event for our congregation as we work to remember who we are called to be in this time and place. The sanctuary Wednesday evening was filled with people who reflected the magnificent diversity of Los Angeles, which is, of course, the diversity of our world. And The cookies and cider our events team put together for 500 people in the forecourt afterwards gave those beautifully diverse people a space to practice community in a city where it is hard to find your place and your people. The next afternoon we were invited to a beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, and in the midst of the wonderful food and incredible company we stopped and recognized the sorrow and the hope that exist side by side in these days. Last week in worship we remembered 41 of God's children who were killed in 2021 because they were trans. The shooting at Pulse nightclub in 2016 should have made a difference, but last week more of our siblings in the LGBTQI community and their friends were killed for being who they were created to be. When Sandy Hook happened and then Parkland, we believed that people would understand that guns were killing our children and that they would do something about it. But Uvaldi reminded us we have not learned the lessons our children desperately need us to learn. Ten months ago, we wrote prayers and lit candles for the war in Ukraine, thinking it would be resolved quickly. But the devastation continues there as it does in many parts of the world where there are wars and more wars. Right now, today, education is totally disappearing in Afghanistan for young women. And women in Iran are being imprisoned and killed because of the protests they are leading for their rights and the rights of all Iranian people. We have so far to go, and yet we do not lose hope. Despair and hope are unlikely partners, yet we know from our personal lives how the rhythm of their dance is always and forever flowing. Our first reading this morning from Isaiah reminds us that the people of the Hebrew Scriptures knew despair more intensely and intimately than most of us ever will. They were waiting with hope for the day when the despair would be no more. And yet they waited again and again and again. By the time the events that we know as the Christmas narrative happened and were later written and compiled into the Gospels, the waiting and the despair had become unbearable. And yet they still held on to hope. Jan Richardson, who will accompany us during this Advent with her poetry and her art, has written that she has come to know in her bones the fierce hope that lives so deeply in Advent, a hope that draws us beyond what surrounds us into a season luminous with mystery, and possibility. She reminds us at the heart of Advent is the story of love that comes to us—a love that crosses a seemingly impossible distance to meet us—a love that enters into our lives and into every single thing it holds—no matter what is happening to us in our world and to us. I read this morning in the L.A. Times that Neil Young—and, yes, I'm still working on the sermon on Sunday morning—that Neil Young, at 77, is still a hippie at heart. No surprise there. And in these days, even with it, everything that is happening in our world, he feels a lot of hope. Now, I'm pretty sure Neil Young has never met Jan Richardson, but I think— In the last year, as he has worked on a new album and as the music has come to him, I think like Jan, he has come to know in his bones this fierce hope that lives so deeply in Advent. Young's 42nd studio album, titled World Record, came out this week. Most of the songs on world record began as tunes that came into Young's head while he was walking his dogs in Colorado last winter. Every day, he said, there'd be a new melody. They were coming out of the air, and that was unusual. His longtime co-creator and friend Rick Rubin is Young's producer for the album, and even though Ruben was scheduled to be on the other side of the planet recording a different project, the universe, Reuben said, created obstacles that kept that from happening. Reuben relates that Neil called just as my travel schedule changed and Ruben called that divine intervention. The dominant subject of the album is the environment. And Alex Papademos writes in this beautiful article, the subject worries Young now more than ever. But this time around, Neil Young is singing more about what might be possible. Clean skies, clean water, a world without war. And then Papademos writes, a long, A lifetime ago, Young's sneer anticipated punk. Pushing 80, he dares to dream of humanity united and nature healing. It is as if time has robbed him of nothing except his cynicism. Pomadeus' article has all the elements of a great Advent story. Young even sounds to me like the character of Zachariah who eventually saw hope in the midst of despair. While it is true hope usually comes very unexpectedly, we also learn from the narrative of this season that we must look and listen for hope. The candles you are taking home today, or the candles you will use that you find if you are here online, are an Advent gift that is asking you to take the time to look and to listen. We ask that you burn the candle one hour per day, beginning December first. Imagine, as we do this, what it might be like for us to know that we are keeping the light of hope burning—even in the midst of all that is happening. Together we can bring Advent into our lives and into our world. Together we can be the hope our world needs. May it be so. May it be so for all of us. Amen. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can join us for service each Sunday morning in person or on YouTube, or consider supporting First Church by making a tax-deductible gift at fccla.org slash give.